This is Alfonso Davies, and you're listening to BR Football Ranks, and the Bundesliga is back. Hello listeners and welcome to BR Football Ranks and I am delighted to tell you that football is back. See, the world has changed and it's a strange and distant place. Things we've done for centuries disappeared without a trace and all across Europe, the turnstiles gather dust, the grass grows ever longer and the metal stanchions rust. The terraces are empty save the leaves blown from the trees and silence but for distant noises carried on the breeze. And in the football desert, an oasis comes to sight. And in the tunnel of our darkness glows an ever-growing light. Can you hear it in the distance? Can you feel it in the air? The edge of a straw to grasp at hanging just over there. It's not everything we wanted. It can't all come as one. But the Bundesliga is returning. The countdown has begun. It's not perfect. And let's just take a moment to recall those who can't be in the seats they've held for years or in the yellow wall. So just remember when we're lapping it up to listen to the sounds. And remember, football is nothing without the fans in the grounds. But safety first, of course. And this seems to be the way. Shouts out the players and the staff taking a risk to play, putting themselves on the line for entertainment and morale, trusting in the system and the general rationale. So put on the Revier derby, enjoy that Bayern are back, make sure you're watching Leverkusen, Frankfurt and Gladbach. There's a title race, European grabs and a relegation scrap too. But don't forget, these players are out there for you. Welcome to be our Football Ranks, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Jack Collins and the Bundesliga is back. Woo! I'm joined as ever by Mr. Sam Tai. How excited are you, my friend? Mate, I am very, very exciting. I, I, you know, preparing for this podcast today, it's given me, it's given me chills. I don't, I don't think I'm going to be a hundred percent happy with what I see when I turn the TV on. To be honest with you, because it's going to hit home pretty quickly. That with no fans, this is a very strange exercise. We saw, we got a glimpse of that uh, Champions League uh, Atalanta at Valencia. We saw a behind closed door games, and it's fun for twenty minutes, and then you realise just how much of a part the fans play. They give you the colour, they give you the energy, they give you the noise, they give you the choreography. So it's going to be a bit strange, as you said in your poem, which is great, by the way, I loved it. Um, It's not perfect. It's not going to be perfect. It's not 100% back. But the last game of live football I watched was Atletico Madrid at Anfield against Liverpool. Now, what a way to go out, first and foremost. But it's been two months. Like, I need some football, man. Do you know exactly how many days it's been? Um, it, well, about, about 60. <laughs> 63 days since that yeah. game of football. Jeez, 63. And it feels like a lot longer, right? Eh? I mean, look, it hasn't been a 63 days since you and I have watched a game of football. No. Because obviously, I was watching Gorodia versus Dinamo Brest last weekend. But yes. you know, at this point, it feels like we, we need something back that's, I, I suppose, more kind of at this point, even just on telly or on a stream that doesn't feel like you're watching it off a Samsung from the mid 2000s. <laughs> or, or it just feels like, you know, even without fan, and don't get me wrong, you know, I'm a purist in this. I hate the idea of behind closed doors games. Uh, I am very much a, a believer that without fans, you, you basically don't do anything. But given the current circumstances, this feels like the way forward. Yeah, I've been, honestly, I've been watching a few games here and there and trying to watch old games and trying to watch youth games, try and use the time a bit more wisely to try and catch up with a few, few uh, youth prospects and things like that, try and stay on the pulse. and. 
you know, it's all well and good doing that and it makes you feel better. But I was watching Porto's under 19s last week and that's great. But like, who am I going to talk about that with? And it, it, it just reminds you, obviously. But generally speaking, like, I'm not going to start firing out tweets about Porto's under 19s. What a team it was, by the way. I'm sure we'll do something on that soon. The point is, it's about chatting to people about football. It's the, it's the, it's the community. It's the conversation. It's the controversy. It's the interaction, good and bad sometimes. All of those things have been sorely missing from my life for the last two months. And it's about time that changed. So thank you very much to the Bundesliga for stepping forward and filling the void. We're going to get on to not necessarily hot takes, but a version of hot takes in a minute. But I just want to point out how nice the Frankfurt shirt you are currently wearing is. An yes. absolute beauty of a shirt. Oh, I know. Beautiful, isn't it? Um, uh, we went on a Bundesliga media trip in uh, October, November. I've talked about it a few times, to be fair, on here. Uh, it was when Frankfurt hosted Bayern Munich, beat them 5-1, and the next day Niko Kovac was fired. Uh, very eventful weekend, but they were nice enough to give us uh, all the members of the trip, we all got a shirt uh, and a few other things. Uh, we, that was the time I played football with Steve Chirundolo and he labelled me the next Harry Kane. So it was a generally successful trip all round, but most Huge. certainly because I got this wonderful, wonderful shirt. Do you want to uh, just point out the, uh, or just address the elephant in the room or not in the room, literally, uh, and explain it? Oh, indeed. Well, normally in this podcast, we have Dean Jones joining us. Uh, but today, Dean Jones is in the hospital. And, and before you panic... Uh, for happy reasons, it appears to be the, the birth of his second child. Uh, the youngest member of the rank squad yeah. is on the way, and uh, we are delighted for both him and his lovely wife. Uh, yeah. So congratulations to Dean Jones. Congratulations. And what, what day to have it. He's, he's, you know, his next son is going to be born into a world where football has returned. Yeah, I know, exactly. The birth of Pele Jones marks the return of football. I presume they're calling it Pele. Um, fantastic, fantastic news. So congratulations, Dean, because this will come out the next day. Uh, I'm sure you'll find some time, <laughs> maybe, to listen to what we managed to produce while you were uh, you were holding your he- holding your wife's hand loyally and trying not to scream too loud. Exactly, exactly. Well, let's move on to football, though. And uh, you know, much as I could sit here and talk about Dean all day, it's very <laughs> much time to to talk about the Bundesliga. And I'm going to start you off with a couple of hot questions, Sam. I feel like mm. it'd be hard to to form takes when there hasn't been any football. Um, so I'm going to go in with a big one, and I'm just going to say, look, you know, match days left to go. It's going to be a, a, a kind of t- the golden boot race is a bit kind of sewn up because Lewandowski is four or five clear of Werner. Haaland obviously then came in in January and yes while he's got 12 goals already it would be exceptionally impressive if he if he manages well nine in the Bundesliga three in other competitions but if he manages to kind of to kick that on and catch the two in front of him would be almost a miracle yeah absolutely. And so I'm going to go with who do you think is going to score the most goals between here and the end of the season yeah, so I can see why you framed the question that way because Lewandowski is four up. He's on 25 for the season. Timo Werner is on 21. Then the rest of the pack way back on like 14, 13. You're talking about Jaden Sancho and uh, Robin Kaison as well. Uh, absolutely out of nowhere, Robin Kaison hitting double figures and carrying his team. But Lewandowski, I mean, it just kind of maybe feels like too obvious a pick, but I think I have to go with him. He has been consistently scoring all season. I appreciate Haaland's been consistently scoring since January. Um, but in this case, when you match them up together and they do feel like they will probably both score at least one per game, it's so hard to separate those. I'm going to go with the more experienced head and I'm going to go for the player that plays for the team that feel more likely to see out this title race due to that obviously experience. They've got eight in a row. Is it eight? It's eight or seven. It's eight in a row, isn't it? Um, you can't really... Uh, 
you can't really doubt that experience. You can't doubt Lewandowski's ability to just consistently put chances away. Haaland has been amazing. Will he dry up? Probably not, but he's more likely to, isn't he? And Dortmund are more likely to freeze in the title race. And that will impact Haaland's chances of scoring more goals than it will. It will impact it more heavily than Lewandowski. Timo Werner, he's probably thinking this break's come at a good time for him because his goals have dried up. He's only got a couple since mid-January. Now, yeah, he's been pushed out into the into the flanks. He's been pushed out wide in the kind of a 3-4-3 formation and has actually had to do more wide work than he was before uh, before the Christmas break where he was playing genuinely up front in a two. So formation changes have played a part in his goals drying up. But I only have to think back to that Tottenham game where he missed like chance after chance after chance. Now, maybe the break, it reboots him, it rejuvenates him and he comes out firing. Maybe he was just returning to earth a little bit and the fact that he's now found that home on the left-hand side or the right-hand side of a formation, maybe that means that he's not in those positions to score as many goals which will put him in a position to challenge Lewandowski and Haaland for this crown. So I'm going to take Lewandowski, the, the old wise head, the guy that you know pretty much scores every week and had just got injured, hadn't he, for, against Chelsea just before the break. Yeah, and I bet yeah. Timo Werner was looking at it thinking, all right, okay, yeah, this on, is then. my chance. And then Lewandowski got two months off. Uh, because of uh, because of the coronavirus, so he's he's all healed and he's ready to go, and I back him. So just before we you know, move this on, it's it's interesting what you say there, and obviously we've had two months off. The players haven't been doing the preseason that you'd normally get after a break of this kind of magnitude. They haven't been able to do that much ball work, you know, in in big groups, in in game situations, in scenarios. How do you think that's going to impact things? Because I, have, I was having a God. conversation with a friend at the weekend. He was, he sent me a, an accumulator he put on for this weekend of football, and he was like, "What do you think about this accumulator?" <laughs> I was like, well, under normal circumstances, I would be like, really good. Like, great accumulator. Obviously, it makes loads of sense. But I have absolutely no idea what's going to happen this weekend. Our teams who don't so much play with the ball, you know, who look to be a less possession-heavy side, going to benefit massively from the fact that they haven't... Your teams who do work within a possession framework haven't had the chance or ability to to kind of practice that for a, quite a long period of time. Yeah, I really don't know. It's it's a complete mystery, isn't it? I mean, a couple of weeks ago, as as I said before, I was on a charity stream for uh, the UNHCR, the Refugee Agency, with Alfonso Davies. So over the course of two hours, you know, inevitably, Alfonso, what's it been like training with while socially distancing came up? And I said, what kind of drills are you doing? He's like, well, you know, it's a group of two of us or three of us. I'll do some shooting drills. So be like me, a defender and a goalkeeper or me and a crosser and a goalkeeper, or we'll do some, you know, some marking drills where we all stay quite far apart and move as a unit, but you can't really work with any more than two or three people at one time. So you definitely can't put together a full sequence, an 11-a-side sequence where you move the ball in certain ways in certain circuits, which is what teams usually do. They use a full pitch and they practice how to play out from the back using certain pivot points. You can't do that. You can't can't all practice set pieces in a box because you're too close to each other. I don't know what they've been doing and I have no idea how this impacts them. I don't even know how it works for their fitness because they can't play a proper game of football and the only way to get football fit is to play football. 90 yeah. minutes on the legs, 11 aside, is the only way to get sharp. You do all the running in the world, right? you do all the ball work in the world, you can do all the shadow movements in the world. You have to play. So we could get to 60 minutes and it could all be absolutely knackered. It'd be hilarious. It might be really interesting. It might be where this five subs rule starts to come in you know, to play. I, I don't know whether it's completely in, in, in play yet, but the, you know, the rumours seem to be that it, it could be enacted this weekend and we might see some, some pretty kind of seismic changes going on in yeah. this weekend's football, which is it's quite an exciting thing to be, I guess, reporting on, but a part of it in some way. 
Yeah, it's like um, remember who the fifth sub is, the first fifth sub, because that'll be a quiz question in 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 five years. And thinking it can about also that, also come in three opportunities, right? You can yeah. have, you have to do the subs in three goes still. Yeah, it doesn't really so, make any sense. No, but remember remember who that fifth sub is, um, because that'll be a quiz question. And thinking about that, I can't remember who the first of a fourth sub is. So I've already failed my own test there. Yeah, <laughs> never yeah, mind. Let's keep going. Um, assists and goals. Uh, now, I, I wanted to bring this up because at the start of the season, I remember quite vividly you making a prediction that Jaden Sancho would get 20 goals and 20 assists in the Bundesliga this season. Now, he is well on his way. Yeah, he is. Yeah, uh, that felt bold at the time. And it was bold, to be fair. Um, but he'd, he'd, put the, he'd got the track record from the season before. We could see how willfully he created and scored. And presumably he would just get a bit better. The fact that he still plays for Dortmund, a high power attack a team that kind of had to win games 4-3. I just thought, yeah, Sancho's going to be in, in amongst it. He's on 14 goals and 15 assists in the Bundesliga so far. That's off 21 starts. That is madness. Like, yeah, what an absolutely numbers. crazy stat line. Like, well done to him. And if he performs at the same level before the break as he uh, right now, then there's every chance that he hits those 20-20 marks. And that would obviously mean he goes to, what, 6-5 and five over the final stretch? 6-5, six and five, 6 goals, 5 assists. That would be... That would be an incredible marker, and he's surely the most likely person to do it. So, I'm definitely not changing my prediction there. I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna oust everybody else, and I think he's gonna get to it. And I'm gonna drink a huge glass of champagne if that happens, because I don't actually get that. Get many the bubbles out. I see. I mean, the predictions I make, I try to, cha- I try to challenge myself with them a little bit, and I make them difficult to achieve. And if I get, if I get one like that, that's it. Party. Exactly. Right. So on my own, obviously. Party at yours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, Sancho is one. And, and the next question was going to be, you know, we've seen over the years so many world-class talents develop in the Bundesliga, play in the Bundesliga as well, but go on, you know, from there to, to be massive stars all over the world. And it doesn't take, you don't have to look far from home. Kevin De Bruyne, you know, uh, Roberto Firmino, yeah. Tony Kroos. All of these players, just off the top of my head, the first three are all superstar names who, you know, are considered among the best in, their, in the world at what they do. And so what I'm going to say is I'm going to ask you to pick out a few names for people to keep an eye on. You know, the Sanchos of the world, obviously, people are already kind of attuned to. But there are other superstars on the brink in this league of becoming world-class talents wherever they decide to go next. You know, the likes of Kai Havertz, the likes of Ashraf Hakimi when he returns, the likes of Haaland, you know, even. But, you know, just a couple of names to keep an eye on over this period when people have a little bit more time to, to study the German game, I suppose. I mean, the first thing you do there is you load up Leipzig squad <laughs> and you just take a look at it because the jobs that they've done in youth recruitment and I appreciate it's propped up a little bit by uh, by recruitment by RB Salzburg as well. But the Leipzig squad is literally just an under 25 team of future stars. They've got what is probably France's future centre-back pairing uh, in Upper Meccano and Konate. And they've got Conrad Leimer in central midfield, who is He's like a the most. Of a player. Oh my sister! There's this devilish, tenacious midfielder. One of the one of the most one of the most like he just harasses people. He just doesn't stop. And him him pairing in the in the middle with Marcel Sabitzer, who apparently just plays literally every position under the sun, um, and does it really well. Incredible to watch. And Kunku is someone that we've picked out on this podcast recently uh, and over the last few weeks, basically. He's, he's really blossoming the, in central midfield. He's come from PSG, another player that PSG have produced and maybe not quite used to a full potential. And then you look at Gladbach. You look at Gladbach's players and you look at Marcus Turam, who you talk about all the time. And, you know, not to go on all, 
on, on about the attackers all the time. Dennis Zachariah in holding midfield, or sometimes he plays centre-back there in the back three, but one of the best and most athletic and most complete ball-winning midfielders in the game right now. And a player that, if you were, if you were Arsenal or you were Tottenham and you had 40 or 50 million to try and spend on that, on that stabilising midfielder and someone like Thomas Partey isn't available, go look at Dennis Zachariah. So yeah. that's, just, that's just two teams um, but there's at least six players there. Wolfsburg have done incredible recruitment. You go down through Kevin and Babu and Jerome Roussillon, the fullback pairing and into midfield as well. They've got some really good players, even all the way down at the bottom. Werder Bremen have got a midfielder called Egerstein, who's really good and shouldn't be in a team that's 17th out of 18, but he is. Yeah, there's there's yeah, talent yeah. top to bottom in this league. And you can just look out for a few of those, but watch the games and... Pick, pick them out for yourself and you'll see, you'll see plenty. There's, there's so many good players. Well, that leads us on nicely actually to our first big full segment, which is ranking the most fun teams to watch in the Bundesliga. Now, I know we both have kind of different views on where these are, but it would feel unfair to not start with the eight times reigning champions, Bayern Munich. So I'm going to throw it to you uh, and, and get you to talk a little bit about Bayern. Yeah, um, there's a Bayern Munich shirt behind me. Um, Rumours that uh, I hate Bayern, unfounded. I wouldn't have a Bayern Munich shirt if I, if I hated Bayern. But um, yeah, why not start with arguably the best team in the world? Um, we crown them champions of our simulated Champions League because we think that on paper and the form that they are in ahead of the coronavirus pause was world-beating. It was they, they, they looked a better team than Liverpool. They had the confidence flowing through them. The football they were playing under Hansi Flick was incredible. That's not just on the ball through a, an incredible midfield of Joshua Kimmich and Thiago Alcantara, which is just a, an absolute delight to watch, but off the ball as well. Some of the most coordinated pressing as a team I've seen since, well, literally like the old Bayern, like Jupp Heynckes Bayern and Pep Guardiola's Bayern. And we're talking levels like you know Guardiola City and Klopp's Liverpool. They are off the ball coordination wise, unbelievably hard to play against and they've got it so finely tuned. Now, Alfonso Davies at left back is a rising star. Lewandowski is the best number nine in the world. Thomas Muller is, is back to form and he's, he's scoring and assisting and he's picking up those pockets of space that you just don't know he's there and all of a sudden he's, he's done the damage. Everything, everything is rolling for Bayern despite the fact that they've had some pretty bad injuries this season. Credit to the coach and it means that they are a team you have to watch because this is basically the best football you're going to see right now. Um, you know, fitness depending, I guess. But ahead of the pause, they were rolling and you can't miss that. No, not at all. And, you know, that's not even going into the depth they have in centre midfield. And, you know, we've talked about Kimmich being the probably one of the best CDMs in the world right now, you know, in a position that sometimes he plays out of. Um, and Thiago, who we wax lyrical about on a, on a weekly basis, but Goretzka as well. And, and there's so much kind of talent in this squad that it feels almost inevitable they're about to march to another title. It does. Yeah, it does. I mean, there's a part of me that I, is quite sad about that just because when you, when you win eight titles in a row, like as a neutral, you do kind of want to see a little bit more variation in the league. But if this team win the title, they deserve it. They're fair play to them because they made a, a, a tough call back towards the end of last year when they fired their manager and decided to put the assistant in charge then kept with the assistant through the winter break. They had a month to make a call there and they didn't. They decided to go with the guy they put in interim charge. He's turned this team around. He's impressing everybody. He's produced some of the best football on the planet and you cannot, you know, you can't, as much as you want to see that variation sometimes, you can't deny that this team right now would be good value for it. Yeah, absolutely. Where closest challenges at the moment are Leipzig and Dortmund. Um, Dortmund are the obvious one, obviously. The Classico is the Classico in, in Germany. And, and this Dortmund squad, I think since the introduction 
of Erling Haaland have just seemed to monster goals. The, the same issues that plagued them last season, they concede almost at will, continue to plague them. It's not a secret, but by God, Dortmund are entertaining. <laughs> They're very yeah. They're, sorry, I just I just remember last summer sat there looking at the Mats Hummel signing and going, okay, yeah, they've made a good move there. Like they've they've attempted to shore up and, and add experience to a defense that makes a lot of mistakes. I can see the logic in it. He's been really good, and it, he has actually helped. It's just a three man job. Just one Mats Hummels can't arrest the all of the errors in this defense. I mean, Akanji's taken a step back. Um, Nico Schultz has been a bit of a disaster to be honest on the left-hand side and they've, they've had to rejig their formation they've had to try a lot of different things they ended up having to buy Emre Chan in January to try and shore up midfield it's worked to a point they've steadily got quite a lot better over the course of the season let's see if after two months they may have come up with some new concepts and they may be even more sturdy at the back if they're not man Haaland's going to have to score another 12 goals in 12 games or whatever it was because the, and Sancho's going to have to carry on at the rate he is because yeah they're going to have to continue to win all of these games 4-3 and 3-2 and, and which they're well capable of doing it's just it's not a very viable thing to be doing on a long-term basis you want to build out want to build for the back build that strength and try and safeguard a game Dortmund cannot safeguard a game yeah but it's the kind of thing that makes people fall in love with you of it, course it makes neutrals fall in love with you and with a lot of people about to watch the Bundesliga not for the first time but perhaps in more depth than they have done before it is the kind of thing that you can imagine going into a derby game on the first game back which is chaos like obviously yeah, the yeah. derby will be be far less you know of a spectacle without without the fans that it you know is prided for but it's one of those things where you go back in a derby, anything can happen. This surely, you know, as especially, the, I think, the game of the weekend, but also just uh, a really good example of what but anything could happen here. And that as a, you know, as someone, you know, to keep an eye on, Dortmund make all the sense. But let's move on to Leipzig. Yeah, Leipzig. Well, I say that an absolutely insane collection of players and just an under 25 selection, which could rival anybody. Um, you're watching the future stars in, in Timo Werner, in, in Nkunku, in Upamakano. They've got every single position is completely and utterly stacked. And they score amazing goals, like amazing goals. And Kunku scored an incredible one against Gladbach a couple of months ago. And I saw Sabitzer scored a ridiculous Champions League goal. Like they just Marcel they, Sabitzer is some player. Yeah, they just entertain. They just they just do. I mean, again, the off the ball work, very finely tuned pressing, and very interesting to see. Perhaps a little bit more than Bayern. The manager Julian Nagelsmann, who is obviously one of the best young managers in the game, he problem solves on the fly, and it's really interesting to watch. So keep keep an eye on Leipzig's shape and their approach and where they're positioning their forwards because they move Timo Werner from the flank into the middle and then back again. They use Danny Olmo in different withdrawn roles. They swap Kunku onto the flank and then back again. And all the way through, all the, the whole time that this game is going on, Nagelsmann is trying to figure out where the weak point is and where the pressure point is. And he's moving okay. his players around to try and do it. It's incredible to watch if you can keep up. But you, it just means you have to like continually check which play, which position is that player in. Was he playing there 10 minutes ago? No. Oh my God, what's he trying? You're trying to keep up with it. It's a lot of fun if you're into that kind of thing, which obviously I am and some people will be. But that makes Leipzig even more chaotic on the pitch because you're seeing players pop up in different positions that you didn't expect them to. But it's all part of a plan. It's all very well rehearsed. And it's amazing to watch, to be honest. Nagelsmann's chess game. Yeah. where he basically just continually hits the pawns until he finds a weak spot towards the more valuable pieces is, yeah, like you said, an incredible watch. It, it's one of those things where you almost wish there was a spider cam on all the time. 
Mm. So you could just watch it top down like a game of Subutio or an old football <laughs> manager game. So you could be like, oh, I see what he's trying to achieve here because I yeah. can see what the point he's probing is. Um, but Leipzig, not everybody's favourite off the pitch, shall we say, um, to put things remarkably lightly. Um, but on the pitch, <laughs> undoubtedly an, an excellent watch. Uh, and that brings us on to, to Martin Gladbach. And this lot are fun. <laughs> this lot are so much fun. And I, I know Dean... Dean has decided this is the way he's going to lay his cards in the Bundesliga this season. He's going to, he's going to go with, with Gladbach. Um, but it's just chaos up front. You know, you look at the likes of Marcus Turam, you look at the likes of Lars Stindl, Alessand Player, Breland Bolo. It's so fast. It's so fast. And you, when, when Gladbach go and they just hit the goalie, there's almost nobody that can deal with the amount of pace and power that's, that's basically stacked across his attack in like five different you know, ways as well. The, the mix and match that Gladbach have as options up front is unreal. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. We I look, we've we spent the last uh, seven months or so you know, hopping aboard the Marco Rose train. So we talk about Nagelsmann as one of the the best young managers. Marco Rose is even a, a step back of that. He's even younger. He's even more exciting, and it's interesting to see where his career is going to pan out. But yeah, he's created some team. Uh, he <laughs> he has created some team. He managed Salzburg last season and has taken the Gladbach job and has has taken that high pressing system. It's it's a theme that we're talking about. German football is is defined by its, its organisation and its pressing because these players are extremely well coached. There's a, a, it feels like a different world there. It's not that interpretive at times. It's very, very strictly coached. And this Gladbach team, they've, they've, what they've done is they've kind of, they've kind of collected players who are all full of flair, full of joy, full of entertainment, full of speed. And they've kind of given them some instructions, but then also said, like, obviously, when the time comes, just explode. And the combination has been almost unbeatable at times. And Gladbach spent a long time before Christmas at the top of the table. And yeah, they slipped off a little bit since. Yeah. They slipped off a little bit since. They're, they're still technically in the title race. Um, obviously, it was good, probably going to fall apart at some point because they were punching above their weights. But those teams are the most fun to watch. The ones that are just fueled by confidence, want to attack with speed and ingenuity. And again, some of the goals they score, they're just so perfectly crafted. And these players that you will watch, I've already mentioned one, Dennis Zachariah. Jack's just mentioned another in Marcus Turan. Stars of the future, get on board now. Absolutely. And I'm going to move on to an attack that I love. Uh, an attack that fuels the thing that I think this is the team I'm going to plump for in the Bundesliga. I'd say being a fan is is more than just deciding you like someone and then and, and following along. But I, I think to, to keep an eye on at this point, Leverkusen are probably my club of choice. This is ludicrous. It just reads you out the attack options that they have. So Amiri, Charles Aranguiz, Kai Havertz, Karen Bellarabi, Paulinho, Leon Bailey, Lucas Alario, Musa Diaby, Kevin Bolle. Now, the beauty that. is they play, they play all of them at the same time. <laughs> Leverkusen are like Dortmund on drugs. They're like, they're, like, they're like, it doesn't really matter if we defend. And it's just full on spark out chaos from top to bottom. And I absolutely love it. Look, Petter Boss, we've seen in, in years, at his years at Dortmund and obviously his years in the Netherlands, doesn't really go in for defending that much. And, and it's, you know, partly the reason why Dortmund are as you know, heavy on, on their attack side as they are because of, you know, the players that he started to bring in and the kind of systems that really, really drilled in during his time at Dortmund. And he's gone to Leverkusen and been like, well, it kind of worked. Maybe I'll just double down. 
just like, it's just incredibly fun to watch. I think it didn't work at all at Dortmund, did it? It just, it no. fell apart at Dortmund. He had a really, really good start. Maybe, I think he won like his first like seven or eight games or something like that. They were unbeaten in the first 10. It all looked good. And then as soon as one team just went, hang on a minute, they're not defending. It just went to pot. And so, yeah, he's just kind of leaned into that fallacy and just gone with, well, let's not bother. Let's just He's attack. Been like, I kind of defended a tiny bit of Dortmund and everybody didn't like it. So now I'm not going to defend at all. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, look, they did some good work in the summer as well, didn't they, with some of the player acquisitions. Uh, Leverkusen, like Leipzig, like Dortmund, very, in fact, more so probably than anybody, I would say, on a, that you don't really realise it until you look into it. So tuned in to the under-21 recruitment. And... In January, they signed, you know, they signed Ezekiel Palacios from River Plate. They signed yeah. Edmund Tapsoba uh, from uh, Victoria Gimaraes, um, new young centre-back, put them both straight into the first team. Last summer, Moussa Diaby from PSG, straight into the first Tapsoba's team. Tapsoba's been absolutely incredible, to be fair. We've just yeah. criticised their defending, but Tapsoba has actually come in and made a very, very, like, tangible improvement. They've yeah. been very, very good at the back for, for Leipzig. Yeah, yeah, he has, yeah. It's, it's, it's a young team. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a young team with a... Sh- a very, very, very long leash, basically. Let's put it that way. They're just allowed to go and do it. And Petr Boss, he moves, his, he moves his pieces around like Nagelsmann does. You know, sometimes Kai Havertz is on the wing. Sometimes he's up front. Sometimes he's in the 10 where he belongs or where you say he should belong. But who really knows where these guys are going to pop up? And they attack with vigor. The strikers rotate and move and chop and change. And you never really know what's coming, but it's always fun. And I could never really, I, I don't think I could get behind Leverkusen as my team. I think it would be too stressful. And I sit here in a Frankfurt shirt saying that. Well, I was so. going to say, you know, the reason I, part of the, you know, my longstanding love affair with Betis is just because it's chaos. Mm. And I kind of get the same kind of energy off Leverkusen. It's just like, I'll just see what happens. Maybe we'll win 7 6. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. And of I course. think that's kind of what fuels it. But let, let, you know, you've mentioned them. Let's get. Well, I think Frankfurt are probably the sixth team in this. So you know, why, why should we watch Frankfurt? Because the other five yeah. are the top five. Yeah, you know, Frankfurt at twelve, fourteen. Yeah, fact, I think. Why watch Frankfurt? So Frankfurt are better than their league position indicates. Um, yeah, yeah. But that statement is only technically true half of the time because the team that turns up on a on a on a weekly basis for Frankfurt is anybody's guess. They just, their levels fluctuate so heavily. Um, we've seen them excel in the Europa League over the last couple of years. And look, they've, as recently as 2018, they won the Pokal. Like they had Luka Jovic, they had Sebastian Allaire, they had Ante Rebic, and they beat Bayern in the final. That was the year that they, well, Niko Kovac was in charge. He beat Bayern in the final and then Bayern hired him. And then the first game of the next season, he went back to Frankfurt and beat them 5-0. <laughs> so it's a... It's, it's just a ridiculous relationship. And then lost 5-1 and got sacked. And then lost 5-1 and got sacked. I was at two of those three games. Amazing. I'm like the harbinger of doom for one of those teams. It's amazing. Um, but yeah, uh, they, they're better than some of their, their parts. They are better than their league position. And they have some really interesting players. For our North American contingent, obviously, Timmy Chandler has received a bit of a run in the side uh, in 2020. They've got some, like, not star names, but they're just interesting players. Like Philip Kostic, who plays left wing back. And you feel like he probably shouldn't, but he does it really well anyway. He's like kind of Dusan Tadici, like tricky winger, incredible feet. Clearly not quick enough to play on the wing or wing back, but he does it anyway. He scores goals. Of course, he's not really defensively inclined, so that's why they end up conceding loads as well. Danny DaCosta at right wing back is I love him. I just I think he's great. He's like Mario Fernandez, like yeah, Mario Fernandez meets Lucas Klosterman. 
That's a bit of a niche reference, isn't it? He's a gigantic wing back who just runs up and down, big, long stride, really impactful player. Andre Silva rehabbing his career over there. It's just such an interesting... Bas Dost. Bas Dost. Like, what is this collection of players? It's amazing. But Bas Dost has one of my favourite statistics in all of football, that he once scored 43 one-touch goals in a row. Like, didn't take a touch before he scored, because a lot of them were headers. But, like, and then in his 44th, he took a touch. And everyone was like, what are you doing? That's not allowed. Yeah, that's not great. Um, Bas Dost, I actually don't think he's that good. But he has... amazing scoring is yeah it has an amazing scoring record um but i mean you can score a lot of goals in portugal and 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 not be that good to be fair it's a case of the islam slamanis maybe uh but yeah it's a very strange collection of players who knows if they're going to turn up or not when they do they can beat Bayern 5-1 and when they don't they'll easily lose 3-0 and look an absolute shadow of themselves so that is weirdly the team that i have taken um after professing myself as probably potentially too stressed to take leverkusen i've taken just a higher grade version of disappointment. Uh, the lows are lower, the highs are nowhere near as high. What am I doing? What I don't I know. Doing? I'm not sure what you're doing, but you, you, you've made your call now, so you're, you're going to have to stick with it. I mean, right. I've been, I've been to the, I've been to their stadium twice. I've seen, I've been to see them twice. I've got this, I've got this shirt. Um, I'm, I'm, I can't back out now. You're obsessed with the financial districts of Germany. Um, <laughs> and on that bombshell, after the break, we're going to be joined by a bona fide Bundesliga expert. Commentator Rob Daly is going to be joining us to talk about the teams you should support and the games he's really looking forward to this weekend. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to BR Football Ranks, where we are absolutely delighted to be joined by commentator and a man who's very excited as well about the Bundesliga coming back this weekend, Mr. Rob Daly. Rob, it's uh, absolutely a pleasure to have you on the show. It's great to be here. Looking forward to it. Um, We wanted to basically pick your brains about a a number of things. But first off, you've got your games for the Bundesliga this weekend. Um, And you, you were just talking about about who you've got. So maybe just a good one to, to kind of live new into the audience. Yeah, so I've, I'm commentating on uh, Fortuna Dusseldorf against Paderborn, which might not sound like the most exciting game in the world, especially when it's going up against Dortmund Schalke. But it is uh, 16th versus 18th, big game down at the bottom. For you know, I think a lot of people will be coming to the Bundesliga new. They won't know how the league works necessarily. And that in Germany, the bottom two teams automatically go down. And then third from bottom goes into a playoff with the team third in Bundesliga 2, which is like amazing fun, this sort of relegation promotion playoff game. So at the moment, Fortuna Dusseldorf are in that spot. And the relegation fight is actually really interesting in Germany this year. You've got like Hertha Berlin being completely bonkers and stuff like that. So um, they're down there, aren't they? Like what, what are Werder doing? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's an interesting one. I mean, I was thinking about Werder Bremen today and how they've had some good seasons of late, actually, Sam as well, where they've come close to Europe and, and, yeah. and that kind of thing. But they, like their big northern rivals, Hamburg, have floated, have floated and flirted around the relegation places for, for ages. And maybe, actually, this has just been coming for some time, you know. And mm. if you're still looking, if you're still throwing on a 41-year-old striker in Claudio Pizarro, <laughs> To try and to try and get you out of trouble, then may something might be a little bit off, you know. What's uh, what's like a comparison you can draw that parallel for like an English club, like because Werder Bremen have a, a pretty pretty rich history and uh, a history of success in previous years, but have kind of circled the drain. I know one in particular because Aston Villa always compare themselves to Hamburg, 
you know, great in the 80s. Now they're in the second tier. Or well, Villa got promoted, obviously, but yeah. fell, fell on hard times. And Werder Bremen kind of feel like a similar sort of story in a way. Yeah, I mean, those two, those two clubs in particular have been intertwined. Like um, the Nord Derby, which is the, the big derby in the north of Germany between Bremen and Hamburg, in recent years prior to Hamburg eventually getting relegated, was always an important game, not just because they hate each other, but because... Um, you know, it was always a game around the relegation places. They are, you know, they're, they're seen as two of the historic clubs in the Bundesliga. Hamburg, you know, with great successes and greater players, arguably, to their name historically. But, you know, it, it would be a big club to fall. And, it, you know, we've seen lots of big clubs go down for the Bundesliga in recent years. Um, it wouldn't be a surprise if they went down. They, they have quality in their team. There's no doubt someone like Milot Rashitza, the winger who... You know, has played in central attacking positions as well has been fantastic really since his arrival. But um, their head coach, Florian Kofeld, I'm not entirely sure how he's hung on to the job. I did a game where they comment- commentated on a game in December where they lost four or five nil at home to Mainz. They were abysmal. And just before the winter break, I thought he's getting sacked because Bundesliga clubs sack managers before the winter break because you give your new guy five weeks, training camp in Spain, everything to work out the tactics. And they didn't. They stuck with him. And um, I'm not really that surprised they're, they're still in the mire a little bit. Would you, uh, would you recommend, in good conscience, good faith, would you recommend anybody support Paderborn or Fortuna Dusseldorf I, or Werder Bremen for this run-in? Oh, Paderborn not really, quite no. Sweet. I quite like Paderborn. They're like, well, Pucky. <laughs> it's still a bit like Ibar. Like, <laughs> well, they are, they are. I mean, mate, look, they've got the, they've got the lowest budget in the league. Almost all of their squad hasn't played, uh, has only played really in the third tier and below in German football. They're, they're notoriously gung-ho and uncompromising in, in an attacking sense, but it means they're just wide open and concede lots of goals. I'd say it's good fun to watch Paderborn. I'd be hesitant to support them. You know, they were, they were a story who they, they bounced into the Bundesliga like we're riding high for a bit, then got relegated, then pinged down, nearly pinged down three tiers yeah, of German yeah, football back to back, then went back up. You guys probably know this already. Uh, I couldn't do it to someone. I, th- I think, I think, look, if, you, if you're going to be getting into it, I think, I know we're in this lockdown, no travel, you know, for heaven knows how long, but I would pick a club in the, in the west of Germany where cheap flights are cheap an hour away so that when things get back up and running. And there's loads of good teams in that area. So we're talking Dortmund, Labback, Schalke, Leverkusen, uh, uh, Cologne included as well. Like, there's so many in that little cluster, right? Yeah. There's, there's like yeah. five clubs in like a, almost like a 100 mile radius. Yeah, I tried to work out one weekend, like a, a, and I did it on TalkSport and people tried to take it apart in the end because you couldn't technically get to every game I wanted to get to. But if you fly into Cologne on a Friday afternoon, so you take a, an afternoon off work, flights can be like 20 quid and you can ping around. If there's Cologne play Friday, Leverkusen play Saturday, Dortmund play Sunday, all like an hour, hour and a half from Cologne, not even that really. You can have like the most amazing weekend. So I would, that's what I would do. And don't pick Bayern. It's a, <laughs> It's a bit lazy. It feels too easy, doesn't it? it they, they, well, yeah. They're arguably the best football team in the world right now, or they looked like it ahead of the the, the big pause. So if look, if you want to if you want to win, like if you just basically want to celebrate goals and wins, and you know watch Lewandowski doing this the entire time, then yeah, you pick Bayern. If you want a little bit more excitement, a little bit more risk, maybe take Dortmund. I feel like Everton, a Schalke. You know, it's like Liverpool, a Dortmund. 
and then Everton and Schalke. It feels they just they play in royal blue. They're the sort of the second biggest team in in, in that John major Joe footballing Kenny's there. Area. John Joe Kenny's John on Joe loan Kenny's there. there. <laughs> it yeah. takes all the boxes. Well, did you see the thing that um, the Schalke did this week on Twitter, which was brilliant, where they they found a link between themselves and every Premier League club. So it gave every supporter of a Premier League club a reason to support them. So like Crystal Palace, we produced Max Meyer or like <laughs> Liverpool, so- we gave you Joel Matip for free. And then one of them was um, Man City, you beat a 7-0, you owe us something because that was a bit unnecessary. Oh, that was uh, Leroy Sané. Uh, yes, I remember that. Oh, I yeah. read Real Madrid I and the orange kit. Yeah. yeah. And United reason was just, you'll never walk alone is banned in our stadium, which I thought. Was <laughs> yeah. Really yeah. Of course, because Dortmund sing that. So, you know, I yeah. thought that was, I thought that was really good. And I, I think it's, a, there's, you know, Dortmund, you mentioned Dortmund there as well, Sam, like, you know, eight, nine years ago, that was the club that was a gateway drug almost into the Bundesliga for a lot of people, not just because of Klopp and that Champions League run to the 2013 final, but because they were so good. And anyone who goes to that stadium because you go and you think, I don't want to be a Dortmund fan. There's so many of them. It feels like the, you know, it used to be the hipster's choice. I feel now like it's almost the easy choice. Yeah. But the, the issue is, it's so seductive as a place to go watch football. The atmosphere, the unique colours, and the, the brand of football that's been pretty consistent since, since Klopp. So it's, it's tough not to... Pick it Dortmund, is, but it is, it is tough. Yeah, I agree, and I think plenty of people can find reasons not to like Leipzig. But if you're just interested in the football element, I think you're interested in that. And Leverkusen probably qualifies similarly. Hertha Berlin have had a big takeover and splashed some money, and probably will continue to do so. Wisely or not, we will see. I it's thought like the Newcastle. I thought Newcastle levels a chaos. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. So that's that's an interesting project. Um, I think you support Paderborn if you genuinely like just don't want to have fun watching football which like there's quite a lot of us <laughs> out there um the one i've got here the two 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 ones here leverkusen actually lots of people will know this but some people won't yeah owned by a pharmaceutical company in Bayer, literally in their name you go to their stadium they've got a really weird stand which is basically all glass boxes and and, and, and boxes you can watch from and it's got a giant like cross like a pharmaceutical cross like symbol on it um, that freaks me out. When I went to Leverkusen Stadium, I, I freaked me out. And um, I figured that you can only really support that team if you're from the area or you suffer from migraines and you need constant medication. <laughs> um, but I think also, have you ever looked at the Mainz 05 badge and how it looks like it says, come on you Spurs? It looks, it says, no. says, it looks like so that the M no, goes round it. like this. And then you've got the zero and the five. So it looks, the M basically does that. And it oh, looks yeah. like a C, yeah, cool. an S, an O, and a, it looks like a Y in the middle. And it looks like Tottenham's C-O-W-S, C-O-Y-S, sorry, come on you Spurs hashtag. So you saying... Tottenham fans you should, should support you Mainz. Should. When I went to Mainz last year to see them play Frankfurt, so sort of a derby, the two, are, no, two seasons ago, the two teams are actually like quite close geographically. I looked in one of the um, the corporate boxes and there was a disco ball. Like someone was just having a rave just during the game. And I was like, I don't know if it's Klopp's old box from when he was manager there or something. But um, yeah, if you can get yourself into that box, you might have a really good... Uh, really that's, good that's a good enough reason to support Mines, I think. <laughs> yeah. The, um, um, just to that kind of touch back on Sam's point, and I, I appreciate your joke about migraines a lot, Sam. But isn't there like a really interesting thing with, with Leverkusen? Because... Obviously, Leipzig have ripped up the playbook a little bit with, you know, how, how clubs are owned and, and all of those things. But corporations weren't really allowed, as far as I know, to have names on things because of the way. But Leverkusen were formed by the workers who then asked the 
company to get involved and back it if, I, if i'm not mistaken yeah yeah so th- so th- there is obviously you've got an extreme example like leipzig or even to an extent Hoffenheim, who probably were yeah. the least popular yeah. team in the league until Leipzig came along, because Hoffenheim have been bankrolled by a local businessman who's like really rich. But uh, in 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 cases in cases like Bayer Leverkusen and Wolfsburg, they're genuine works teams from when the factory. So in Wolfsburg's case, Volkswagen, and in in, uh, in Leverkusen's case, the the, the Bayer Pharmaceutical, which as Sam mentioned, is like pharmaceutical plant. You go past it on the train on your way to to Leverkusen. So there is an authentic root in these teams. They don't have the conventional modern necessarily of, you know, uh, teams that would consider themselves traditional powerhouses like Schalke, Dortmund, Hamburg and Bayern. But um, there's, there's more in the eyes of German football fans, more legitimacy to having a team associated with a brand like that or a company like that, because it was authentically like way back when um, a works team. I don't know. I mean, Bayer Leverkusen have the number 1904 in their, 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 in their team name, Bayer Nullfield Leverkusen. I don't know if the football team actually started in 1904. With the case, a lot of these um, German clubs, you, you know, they have these really old years in their title because not because the club was formed then. Like, you'd even see some predate some of the oldest clubs in England, but because they were initially uh, gymnastics clubs. And gymnastics was like massive back then, like we're talking earlier 20th century. So that's why some of the clubs have got like really old numbers in their, in their, in their team names. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't think Bayer Leverkusen get anywhere near the same stick as Leipzig. And Hoffenheim. Hoffenheim were and really, Hoffenheim. yeah, no, really not great. So I mean, yeah. Hoffenheim, I think I remember reading, it's like a village. So it's not a big place. It's like 30,000 people live there and it just kind of sprung up out of nowhere. And that's the sort of tradition that, well, it goes against that kind of tradition, doesn't it? And- yeah, and I think there was even a point where I think Hoffenheim played Leipzig. I can't remember if it was the first time that Leipzig were in the Bundesliga. And I think Hoffenheim had a, I think their fans had a banner that said something like, thank you for taking the title of most hated club in Germany off, our, <laughs> off of us. Um, but, you know, both, both have been extremely successful. You know, and I imagine that's what rankles with yeah. more historic teams like Cologne, Bremen and Hamburg in particular is that, Hoffenheim have been in the Champions League in recent years. Leverkusen are in the quarterfinals of the Champions League, whatever we see happening with that. So, um, yeah, like it or not, it's been very successful for those clubs. Yeah, indeed. Well, Rob, I'm going to get you to give us a quick rundown. First weekend upcoming, uh, the three games that people should be watching and, and go three to one and, and see, what we, see what we come up with. Where does Paderborn okay. rank in this one? The big, the big well, Paderborn. You, you, oh. should definitely, you should definitely tune in for that ahead of Dortmund Schalke, of course. Uh, <laughs> with me on Saturday. But look, so I'll, I'll start off with um, uh, the, the late game on, on Saturday because I, th- I think that'll be, you have all these, well, 2.30 UK time kickoffs, 3.30 German time kickoffs, all simultaneous, much like we have 3 p.m.s in England. But then you've got the late kickoff and that's Frankfurt, Gladbach. And I think that'll be a lot of fun because... Frankfurt have underwhelmed this season. They caught the eye, of course, with that marvellous Europa League run and that front line of Sebastian Allaire, Ante Rebic and uh, Luka Jovic, who's been a complete flop at, at Real Madrid. They have struck. Well, I, don't, I mean, have you seen how much bother he's got himself into in Serbia uh, as well, breaking... Yeah, he's broken he, his he toe. Really does love it. He's had the worst <laughs> yeah. quarantine of, of any footballer, I think. <laughs> that's that'd be good, something. When... Yeah, that'd be a good top 10. Uh, worst. <laughs> <laughs> and Salomon Kalou would be up there for filming himself breaking um, coronavirus protocol at Hertha. But, um, <laughs> and then on the other hand, you've got Gladbach, who um, 
were top for much of the first half of the season. Like prior to Christmas, almost every match day, they were top of the table. But they've slipped away a little bit. But in Marco Rosa, they have a fantastic head coach who has who has found new ways of getting things out of players. You look at strikers, the strikers that they've got in particular, like Marcus Taram, 10 goals, son of Lillian Taram, of course, who's a great character. Find interviews of him on YouTube. He's a bit mad and really eccentric. Yeah. Then you've got Alassane Player, who's on eight goals. Braille Impolo, who was supposed to be the next big thing. He's on seven. And then you've got like the old guard of the attack because they sold Torgan Hazard to Dortmund in the summer. They've got like Lars Stindl, who's still there. So... There's lots of reasons, and Gladbach is also Brissy Park's a really great day out. So I think that's a good one to start on the the, the five thirty UK time on Saturday. Yeah, so we it'll be filled that. with all the pictures of people. So the next Gladbach game, I'll, I'll t- tell the story very briefly for people who don't know. But um, Gladbach are obviously um, giving fans the opportunity to buy like a a cardboard cut cut out of themselves, right? Or have their face put on a cut out for I think about twenty euros in the in the in the stadium. So the first Gladbach game, who do they play at home next? It's I think they play Leverkusen. They oh. play Clavid Le- Leverkusen, who aren't too far away from them either. That's going to be really weird. <laughs> it's going to be good, but weird. That's yeah, one. That's, that's one to keep an eye on. Uh, I know Dean Jones has actually sent off a picture of himself in his football ranks shirt to, to be put in the stadium. So, <laughs> Great. Uh, Good. So, uh, we'll Good keep man. an eye out for that as well. What's in at number two then, Rob? Um, I think we have to go Union Berlin versus Bayern on Sunday night. Union, uh, first uh, year in the Bundesliga, you know, a very historic sort of club from uh, Berlin, of course, who, you know, we'll probably see this in action on su- Sunday. They actually have like a handheld scoreboard. I think unless they've changed it in the interim, they have a handheld scoreboard that they manually change. They've normally got great support, and I think that's why it's a bit sad that we don't get to see that for the Bayern game. Bayern, meanwhile, since the uh, pause in the season, they gave Hansi Flick, their head coach, a new contract. Of course, they talked about Tuchel and Pochettino getting the job, but they've won 10 of their last 11, and I think they drew the other, and we saw yeah, how Leipzig, good they were. Leipzig, nil-nil. That's it. And I think, you know, we've seen how good they've been in the Champions League that I thought they're superb away at Chelsea. Absolutely. And, um, you know, it, it's it's the four points clear. It's it's tough to look beyond them. With nine games to go, I still think they'll have enough to get it over the line. Yeah, I, just, I wonder if this uh, this game is just like, because Union Berlin, like, they don't play the most attractive football. Uh, I think that's probably fair to say. Every time I've caught them, it is a... It's not great. Um, it's a little bit industrial. Yeah, let's yeah, so let's say that. It, look, it's it's effective to a point, but it's not necessarily something you're coming back for over and over. What you come back for with Union Berlin is is the is the fantastic choreography and the colours and the sounds and the atmosphere, which we're not going to get to see. You might get a little peak of the forest over one of the stands, which is always nice because this, yeah. the stadium is just set in the forest. But I I worry that that game is just going to be a bit one-sided. Well, Um, I actually said this to Sam earlier, and and actually, interestingly, Rob, you might have a a different take on this, that obviously this has been a break with very little training, very little ball work between players. We discussed that they couldn't really do 11 v 11, even in training at this point, to, to get to that level. You know, are a team who are a little bit more you know, less possession heavy, like Union Berlin, going to actually benefit from the fact that Bayern haven't been able to knock a ball about in training that much. Uh, That's interesting. Uh, That's interesting. I hadn't actually, I hadn't actually thought about it in that way, but that's interesting. And I think there's going to be ways to, I think teams will obviously look at what's happening as a negative, but you, I believe there are ways that you can think, how can we use the situation, the lack of support, 
the lack of preparation time for teams is an advantage. And maybe, I mean, you could go one way. The Bayern will click into the auto gear that they even remember from Pep era and just ping the ball around, exhaust out Union Berlin in half an hour when it's done. Or it could get into a, if Union hang in, and then turn it into a slog fest and make it very difficult. Um, I, I just... I think the mood around Bayern in general has been pretty good. They really like Hansi Flick. He's won over Thomas Muller. That helps win over the dressing room. Um, but that's an interesting... We'll wait and see. That's why, so it's, a, you, that's why it's a good game to watch Sunday night. Yeah, you're kind of, you're kind of putting them on upset alert a little bit there just because you don't really know what's going to happen. I think everyone's on upset alert, right? Yeah, like, yeah. There, is, there is no... We have no idea coming into this what might happen from the first minute that the Revier Derby kicks off. We're going to be like, I don't know what's going on. Like, until yeah. we can look back at this weekend and go, okay, it was exactly as we expected, or it was completely different, or no one has any energy, or five substitutes ruin everything, or, or whatever it is. Yeah. You know, it, we, we kind of, it's, it's one of these where predicting this is almost impossible, which makes it such an exciting weekend of football. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I wonder actually if, you know, we're all anticipating with great excitement the return of football and we know how great the Bundesliga is. I think at the initial feeling when the first half hour it's on, I think we're all going to go a bit, oh, like it's not going to live up because how can it without the crowd? I'm not this, I'm not of the mindset that football doesn't exist without supporters, but that it, the whole entertainment from a TV or going to the game perspective of being a supporter or watching supporters chant and make noise is so important. But I think eventually we'll, we will, it, like an acquired taste, just become used to used to the fact. And it's you know it's such a shame that Dortmund Schalke is a behind closed doors game. Uh, you know, but I um, I think I think you're right. I think you know the conventional who would be p- people, who's the favourites. I think a lot of that will be an, up in the air. I mean, even t- take a case like Werder Bremen. They haven't been back training long because of the local regulations around when they could return to their training base. They were allowed back much later. So how how fit are they compared to who have they got? Leverkusen Monday night. Leverkusen might be way sharper than them and get a result. You never know. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Fair enough. Is that well, number one? Is the number one the Revier Derby? Is it? Is it? Is it as simple yeah. as that? Yeah, 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 of course. It's got to be. Even you know, without the fans, it's still number one. Yeah, even without the fans, the mother of all derbies, as it's known in Germany, you know, you know, I could list all the players Dortmund have got and how exciting they've been you know that they concede silly goals and drop a lot of silly points but they the signing of Emery Chan was important in January that helped stabilize central midfield he might be injured I think he is out this weekend I think I read earlier on today so Emery Chan won't play and neither is Axel Witzel I think Witzel's injured that really um, opens up things in central midfield I think a little bit because that's so important for Borussia Dortmund because the rest of the team is fun and silly and counter-attacking and open um, so I think that that makes the game a little bit more interesting, actually. Um, but you know, we've got Jaden Sancho, Erling Haaland, um, any of Dortmund's millions of forwards who could play, and then Schalke trying to break out of this old model that they had under Domenico Tedesco of being a bit, you know, trying eking out one nil wins. They're under David Wagner, of course, now, and just trying to find a more fluid style. Yeah, it's still going to be a very good one, I'm sure. Um, I thought. Coming into this, I made my little prediction for your top three. I thought Werder Bremen Leverkusen might sneak into third. Uh, because no. Bre- Bremen just got to get a move. Like, <laughs> they're, they're eight points off like definite safety. And very often, they struggle to score goals. They've got the players for it. You, you talk about Rashiska earlier, and 
We have like uh, Eggerstein is, is in that team as well. Like some players that you're just like, you should not be in this position. And you think at some point they're going to go, scrap. they're going to come out of this. They're going to come out of this. I feel like they're going to come out of this break and go, we've got to do something about this. And, you know, Leverkusen are just anyone's game every single time. Like who knows what's going to happen when they take to the pitch. And I've got this one pegged myself as, as one that I definitely want to quite try and see. I think you made a, you've made a good case for that actually, because <laughs> as well, Werder Bremen are a team that, I, th- I forget which season, I want to say two seasons ago, they were in the bottom two or something like that. And then out of nowhere finished seventh or sixth. Like they just suddenly went, oh no, we've got good players. Do you remember? And then they yeah, start yeah. playing well. Mm. And, um, you know, particularly when Max, Cru- when Max Cruiser was there and on it, like they were brilliant to watch. And he was a real leader for the group when he wasn't out at a casino or whatever he gets up to in his spare time. <laughs> Leaving cash in a taxi. <laughs> <laughs> Leaving cash in a taxi. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Brilliant, such a genius, but um, a bit of a liability, as as Jürgen as Jürgen Love, the German national team coach, has said previously. So, um, so yeah, I think that'll be a brilliant game. Really looking forward to that. I, you know, I'm basically going to watch everything this weekend. Uh, I think I might be commentating on Cologne Mainz as well on Sunday. So I don't think I think I'm going to see every second of everything. I don't what know about you, you guys, but what else are you yeah, going to do? Exactly, spend time with the family. No way. Yeah, no exactly. way <laughs> no chance not with football back <laughs> well, Rob it's been a, an absolute pleasure thank you so much for joining us uh, and sharing your expertise and we'll make sure to uh, t- to send send the rank squad your way on, on social and stuff. brilliant cheers gents thank you thank you thanks very much thank you Sam yeah cheers Jack this has been good I cannot wait for this weekend man this is going to be good I'm going to have football back in my life and remember earlier I said the last live game I watched was Atletico Liverpool two months ago that is a lie I watched the K-League uh, at the weekend and it was a massive disappointment so uh, look the, the stall is low let's get it going exactly I've been Jack Collins this has been BR Football Ranks thank you so much for watching thank you so much for listening take care